right, good morning, good morning. Yeah, uh, collecting a few for Children's Church, but uh, while they're doing that, uh, we're going to be preaching from Genesis today. And I, I think most of you know, um, as a general rule, we preach through books of the Bible. And uh, that, that's, well, it's just going to be my style, I think. I think that it, it, it lends to a more complete view of Scripture. It, it forces the preacher and the church to not duck any Bible verses, which Southern Baptist preachers are famous for. It preaches you to not only cover everything, but to cover the things that you don't like, the things that cramp your style, and to incorporate the entire revelation of Almighty. But I will say this, that from now through Christmas, we're going to do a, it's going to be a very short series, and I, I think it's appropriate because Israel keeps coming up, and there are many misconceptions regarding Israel, and it seems that there is much disagreement well, first of all, I expect the world to be in disagreement over Israel. But the church, I should hope, would be more united. And so I want to take a look, and this is a biblical view of the nation of Israel. And when we consider Israel, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that they are God's special chosen people, that Israel as a country is the geopolitical center of all of the universe. That the entire world system is revolving around Israel. And we will see that come to pass. Um, we have seen God's hand upon this nation throughout the years. And we have many times seen them given over to some of the worst things that humanity has endured. Which is, by the way, something that will happen again. You may not like to hear that. That may not be popular, but it is biblical. We will not be covering that today. But I will say that I want to propose... That your default view be that as an evangelical Christian, you support Israel. Now, I didn't say Israel's always going to be perfect. I didn't say that there will not come a time where Israel might do something that makes you say, well, I really don't know how to support them in these days. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But God's people, at a minimum, should pray for the nation of Israel. And I believe that we should stand by Israel because of who Israel is to us. So today we're going to be talking about that. Who is Israel? And Israel is, it's not a nation of blessing. That is what I say. It's the nation of blessing. Um, next week, we will be looking at Israel's land and how they got it. And then we will be looking at Israel's worship. And then in the fourth week, we will look at Israel's future. Because the Bible has much to say about future Israel. And then on Christmas Eve, we will be studying Israel's king. And so, there, now look, there will be some overlap between these, but today we're going to look at the birth of this nation that we call Israel in the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Now, many people know this as the Abrahamic covenant, and uh, we're just going to take three verses here. But you can expand this by reading Genesis 12 through about 18. And when you get to 19, you'll have a, a, a wider view of this call of Abraham and God's plan. Um, but of course, as you know, it continues through the Exodus, and it continues even unto this day. Um, this is God's people. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand for the reading of God's Word as we read the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God's word. You may be seated. And so the first thing that I want to point out is that Israel is a people called by God. Now, this is important in a couple of different ways. You see that his call is specifically to one man here. But from this one man, if you know the story, it says that nations, a nation will be born out of him and that kings will come out of him. And by the way, I would say, yes, he has made the name of Abraham great because thousands and thousands of years later, we are still talking about Abraham and the people that come from Abraham. But we should say that as a people called by God, they are called to be separate. And here his call is to get you up and go. That's what it says in the King James. Uh, And so he's telling him to get out of the country of his father's house Um, and of his kindred. Now, it's interesting because he's calling him to leave something. Now, there is a Jewish philosopher named Maimonides, and he says, and this is not biblical, this is extra biblical, so whether it is true, I cannot be absolutely certain, uh, but this historical source, Maimonides, he says that Abram was brought up in a, well, he comes from Ur uh, in Chaldea, And that he was taught that there was no other God but the sun and the moon and the stars. And so he comes from uh, people that we might compare to pagans today or nature worshipers. Um, And more on his people group in just a minute. But he was educated in Kuthia. And according to Maimonides, Abraham... By the way, he's not Abraham yet. I'm so used to calling him Abraham, I'll probably keep doing that. But Abram, at this time, um, he began to disagree And he could deduce that there was a creator, that it was not the sun and the moon. And so he was convinced that what his people were doing was practicing idolatry. And being convinced of this idolatry is, according to the scriptures, called by God and literally called to leave and to get thee out of thy country for your own profit and good. And uh, well, basically, let me say it this way, to quit the society as he knew it. In other words, he was called to... Leave behind the godlessness and the idolatry that was really what he knew, is what he was born in and what he was raised in. Can I say that the same thing should be true of Christians? And uh, in fact, I'm reminded of this. Uh, You know, there is a great exodus of the state of California in the United States of America today. And Californians are leaving their home state and they're populating new states, places like Idaho, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, I believe those are the top states, by the way. And I'll give you my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. But as a little boy that grew up in the southern Appalachians, I was very bitter towards all these non-natives moving in to the place that I called home. But somewhere along the way, I got over it because I made friends with some of those people. But I will say, if you leave California and come to Mount Gilead, you should leave California in California. Don't bring California with you and don't bring your ideologies, your idolatry, your political ideas with you. 
And so I believe that that same call is a call that we should hear today as Christians. And regardless of what you grew up in, which means regardless of your American society, which make no mistake about it, is filled with idolatry, sinfulness, wickedness, and things that should not even be named among Christians. But that's the society that we live in today. But the moment that you come to a saving faith, like Abraham, you are called to be separate. Now look, you may remember... He, remember, he's from Ur of the Chaldees. This is Chaldea. Um, this, is, this is a center of astrology and astronomy and, well, science, if I can put it that way, although it involved much more than that. In fact, if you read the book of Daniel and you read about the witch doctors and the soothsayers that the king would call to come and interpret the dreams, they're called Chaldeans. They're the people of this region and these are the people that Abraham came from. This was his belief system. This is his culture. They were a violent people. They were intelligent, make no mistake about it, but they were worldly. In fact, do you know another place where we see these same people? Is at the birth of Jesus Christ. The ones that are called the wise men, the magi, that is the magicians of Chaldea. They were witch doctors, astronomers, astrologers, and soothsayers. But they knew by looking in the sky, they saw the king star when it arose and that it pointed them to Bethlehem where a child had been born. But nevertheless, these dream interpreters were worldly and idolatrous. And the call to Abraham here is don't be like them, but be separate from them. Be different. Don't take part in what they take part in. And in 2 Corinthians... We as New Testament Christians, we have a similar call. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said... I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now listen to what God's command is, Christian. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You know what that means, Christian? There are some places that you cannot go. Now, physically, can you go there? Yes. There are some things that you should have no part in. There are some things you should not say. In fact, uh, just the day after Thanksgiving, I had to work uh, in another part of the state. One of my co-workers with the Wildlife Commission was talking about going to what he would refer to as a gentleman's club. But I'm here to tell you there are no gentlemen in this club. Um, rather, what is in there is filth and wickedness and the lust of men. Nothing pure about that place. And he began to name names of people that, he, that went with him. And he named among some those that call themselves Christian. And it should not be. We are called to be separate as Abraham is called to be separate. You see, God lives in us. The very spirit of Christ dwells in us. And when you go somewhere that you're not supposed to go, you're taking the spirit of God into that place. And if you're really His, the Holy Spirit will be all over you and you will be so filled with conviction that you cannot deal with yourself. Be called out as Israel is called out. You know, Israel 
through the man Moses who has given the Ten Commandments, through Israel we have what we know as modern, I don't know if I should say modern, but we have morality, true morality. Now look, morality is what it is. Before the law was given, it was already an offense to an almighty God to steal, to lie, to covet, to envy. It was already a sin, but God made it clear. And do you know that even here in America, which I will say is a land of lawlessness these days, we are built on a Judeo-Christian morality. And the morality of our law reflects biblical morality. Now look, it's not just what he's called away from. Abraham's called away from godlessness. And today you are called away from godlessness. But he was called to something. Let me read it to you. He says, To get out of that country, the land of your kindred, and your father's house, to a land that I will show you, to a land that I will show you. Now look, that means he's called to follow God. This is the Christian call. You are called to follow the leading of God. And this largely happens through this book right here, which contains the very will of God, the complete canon of Scripture, and it teaches us how we are to live our lives. Furthermore, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that leads us. And so just let me say this before I move on. that Israel, the nation of Israel as we have it today, is a people called through one man, the man Abraham. That he was called out of a world of wickedness and idolatry. By the way, Abraham was saved, it says, by faith alone, just the same way that we're saved. It says that he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But he was called out of something, sin and wickedness and worldliness, and then he was called to something, to follow the Almighty of the Old Testament. By the way, Israel was to be a nation that was an example to the entire world by their morality, by their law, by the way that they lived their lives, and by the way in particular that they worshipped God. A nation called, listen to this, so that all nations could be reconciled to God. Point number two is that Israel is a chosen people for the blessing of the nations. He says here in this passage, he says, I will make of you a great nation. He says, I will make your name great. And by the way, he says in verse 2 there, at the end of it, that you will be a blessing. We need to be reminded of that, don't we? If you get a blessing, you know what it's not for? So you can sit around with your blessing and say, well, I'm blessed. I got it going on. Thank you for the blessing. I'm going to keep it all to myself. That's not God's plan. It's not the way that God operates. And His blessing upon Israel was so that they would be a blessing. And I want to tell you that they have been a blessing and that they are being a blessing and that they will be a blessing. Now, indeed, and by the way, when you think of Israel, please, first and foremost, think of a nation inaugurated by the Almighty God, the everlasting Father in the Scriptures. A nation founded by God Himself. Now, he made this people out of no people. In other words, who was Abraham? He was just like everybody else in his day. He was a nobody, and God called him. And from him, he builds a mighty nation, and he does it exactly according to his plan. You know, he may not have done it, though. I've often wondered, what did Abraham think when he walked him through? And he said, everywhere that you walk and all that you can see, this will be your land that I will give to you. But then God says something interesting. He says, but not yet. <laughs> you got to wait 400 years. And then 
your people will inherit it. But you know, the greatness of Israel is based on the greatness of God. And we need to look at this in a, a spiritual view. It's, it's true, and I said it a minute ago. A minute ago. Israel is the center of the world political stage. In fact, I looked up a statistic. I'd heard it before, um, but I couldn't remember the exact numbers. Between the years of 2015 and 2022, the UN has, well, you know, the, the UN adopts resolutions. They want to tell the world what to do. And they have adopted 68 resolutions that deal with countries of the world. All the countries of the world, 68 resolutions. But I'm not counting Israel. Do you know how many they have adopted regarding Israel? 140. Now, why is that? It's because the world revolves around Israel. Always has, always will. And the history of what I'm going to call the age of men, this age, not the age to come, it will reach its climax in that place that we call Jerusalem. It's going to happen. The Bible declares it. The Lord has ordained it. It will come to pass. There's no stopping it. There's nothing that men can do. My Bible says, in fact, that they will try. It says that men will stand and make war with the Lamb and be utterly destroyed, by the way. And by the way, it says that in that day all Israel will be saved. So, by the way, speaking of, of blessings that come from Israel, I don't know if you guys know the blessings that the worldly blessings, the secular blessings that we have from Israel. But I'm going to name just a few real quick, and you can look this sort of thing up. But by the, if you didn't know it, Israel is an innovator of innovators, in particular in the medical field. They have uh, designed something called the sniff phone. It's actually a device that can detect disease based on scent. Uh, Israel developed something called the Rewalk, which is a battery-packed exoskeleton that helps those with limited mobility to walk again. They invented the flexible stent. They, uh, by the way, they are a software giant as well. They, uh, the original firewall that was developed to protect your computer from viruses and malware, you owe that to Israel. ICQ, the first global instant messenger. Israel invented that. Now, there's so many today, we take it for granted, but this is a technology that came to us by Israel. You know the uh, little thumb drives? So we got to quit carrying those big floppy disks? Israel invented the thumb drive. In agriculture, they uh, have developed something called NetFilm, which is a desert-friendly irrigation system. In fact, they grow crops in places that no society in the history of mankind has been able to grow crops. I would say much of our innovation has come by Israel. Watergen, this is a device that literally draws moisture out of the air and creates clean drinking water, something that you would need in a desert environment. BioBee, harmless pest control, the list goes on and on, but many secular benefits, many medical benefits, many biotechnological benefits, and many agricultural benefits come by Israel. But I don't think that's what this passage is talking about. I'm going to read it again. He says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The greatest blessing that has come to us by Israel is the blessing of the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, it was no accident, it was not plan B, it was not plan C that he came through Israel. It was always God's plan that salvation, to quote 
what Jesus said when he spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Salvation is of the Jews. And salvation, I need to remind a lily white bunch of Gentiles this, salvation is to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. Jesus is the king of the Jews, but a light unto the Gentiles. And this blessing that comes from the seed of Abraham is the son of David, Jesus Christ. When he says that all the families of the earth will be blessed, I want you to know that that is happening. Some of it has happened, and there are some people groups on planet earth that have still never heard the gospel, but that someday they will. And this blessing comes when they hear the words of Jesus as he spoke to that woman at the well, I am he, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior of the world. So let us remember the salvation is of the Jews. It's out of Israel. And by the way, if you consider the Jewish life, in fact, uh, the Holocaust must be what we would think of as the lowest point in the history of this nation. And I think of many of the pictures that I was showed, even as a very young person in school, which at least they were teaching the history of kids in school those days. But I would see these starving, naked, pitiful, absolutely just ruined people. People that should weigh 180 pounds that weighed 100. And I would see them naked and just abused and spit upon. And I couldn't help but think that the life of our Savior mirrored the life of Israel. The greatest blessing, though, came when Christ himself went to Calvary. But let me do remind you that the idea that my, by the, it was always God's plan to save you. It was always God's plan to save Gentiles, those that were not of the Jewish line. In fact, he's been doing it all along. I want to remind you what Jesus himself preached. Some people act like we somehow scooted in under the door. <laughs> the Bible says he that does not come through the door, which is Jesus, is a thief and a robber. If you receive Christ by faith alone, then you are like those that Jesus preached about when he said, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. But he came to none of them but Zarephath in Sidon. You know what Jesus was saying? A Gentile. You Jews that are so holy and righteous, he went to a Gentile. And he says, And in the days of Elisha there were many lepers, but Elisha was sent to none of them other than Naaman the Syrian. And so we can count our heritage among those that even in the Old Testament the Lord was coming to. Let me remind you that the Bible says, Salvation, I mentioned this, is first to the Jews but also to the Gentile. Even back in Isaiah, it says that the Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of all nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Praise the Lord. You know, John 3.16 could have been written different if God wanted to. He could have said that He sent His only begotten Son that whichever Jews believe in Him would be saved. But it doesn't say that. It says, whosoever... In Isaiah 60, it says that the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. By the way, Jesus said as much. He said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have eternal life. And in Acts 13, he says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Quoting that in the Old Testament. And we know that this has worked and it is working. And we see that when we read in Revelation, in the very throne room of God, it says, John writing, he says, And I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, 
from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All kinds of people. You see this, this blessing that Abraham received? It's like that cup in David's 23rd Psalm. It runneth over. And by evangelism and by the Word of God and God's sovereign choice, it flows to every people group on planet earth such that we can read such a statement that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be represented in the very throne room of God worshiping the Lord. So let me remind you that the great gift of Israel is the gift of Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no other name. There is no other salvation. And salvation has been brought to the ends of the earth through Israel, by Jesus Christ, a Jew, a man of Israel. And all nations are blessed in Israel. That is, all nations. By the way, it's not, let, let me be clear about that. You can have a lost nation. You, if America goes so far that there's no saving America, they turn so far left that there's no coming back, there will remain a remnant. God always reserves a remnant for himself. Just as he told Elisha, when Elisha said, Oh, it's just me, there's none left, Lord. He said, I have reserved 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. He'll do the same thing today. And he's done the same thing among the people of Israel. There is a remnant among the people of Israel that worship Christ as the Messiah King, that know him for who he really is. All right. Let me say this lastly, and this one is a little bit more difficult, and we will deal with it in, in a coming session more fully. But Israel, the nation Israel, is the rootstock of the church. That means that we must make a distinction between Israel and the church. By the way, uh, I was just reading what one uh, famous TV preacher was saying, and he, he says that Jews have a different covenantal salvation than we do. The problem is that goes completely against what Jesus said because Jesus says that there is no salvation except in Him and that no man can come to Him except the Father draws Him. There is no other way into heaven but by Christ, which means that if you are a Jew and you're going to come to, Christ, you're going to, come to God, you come through Christ, in Christ and Christ alone. If you read this passage Christologically... The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Let me help it here. And the greatest part of your name is the name Jesus. And do you remember that when the angel announced the name Jesus, she said, he said, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's the greatest blessing that the world has ever seen. He says, So that you will be a blessing. You know, I've been given a lot of gifts and I've been blessed in many ways by people but the greatest gift that I have ever received from a person is the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ that somebody told me in fact many people told me but God gave all the right people in my life to tell me that I'm a sinner but that God so loved me that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins and that he died and that he was buried and that he rose on the third day and that if I will believe I like Christ will be raised unto everlasting life I will bless those who bless you. Now look, this is true of Israel, but this is true of Christ. I will bless those who bless Christ. I will curse those who curse Christ. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I don't think until we get to glory we'll ever be able to count the blessings that came 
through the man, Christ Jesus. Which means that I'm telling you, they extend beyond, I almost feel idolatrous saying this, but just salvation. And what I mean by that is Christ so changed the world that even those that deny Him, even those that hate Him, are the benefits of His grace, are the benefits of His goodness in so many ways. Let me remind you that God makes this covenant with Abram. Don't have time to unfold this, but you can look it up later. Uh, you can find it in Genesis chapter 15 and 16 and 17. But He makes this covenant and he tells him that he's going to make a great nation out of his seed, out of his lineage. And I guess Abraham gets tired of waiting. And Sarah's sitting around and she says, I'm 90, you're 100, let's help God. <laughs> Thank y'all that laughed. God don't need our help. He enlists our service, but he don't need our help. Well, they helped God. And the way that they helped God, I can't imagine this. This is just the twisted mind of, of a person. Well, you sleep with my handmaid, Hagar, who, by the way, is Egyptian. There's significance to that that we'll get to. And she does have a son. His name is Ishmael. And when God comes and visits Abraham and he says, and I'm going to give you a son, and out of him will come kings and nations, and his name will be great. And Abraham's 100 years old, and he's sitting there going, oh, God, that Ishmael may live before you. In other words, we helped you out, God. Took you too long, so here we've done this. And you know what God says? No. That's not the child of promise. Now look, he tells Ishmael, I will make out of you a great people. More on that later. Different kind of people. If you're curious, some of the descendants of that people are occupying the place that we call the Gaza Strip today. And I will show you that. But nevertheless, he says, not him but the child of promise. And Paul unpacks this in the New Testament. I guess that uh, the Lord knew we wouldn't be very good Bible exegetes, and so he gave us the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says this. He says, tell me, speaking to the church, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, that's Hagar of Egypt, and one by the free woman, that's Sarah. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written... Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are, not, who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, let me, I'm reading this to you, Hammer Creek. You ready? You New Testament Christians are like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time... He who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So also is it now. Do you know what that means? The church will be persecuted by the world. Ishmael persecuted Isaac. And the world will persecute the church. And you know what he says? Cast out the slave woman and her son. And that's what happened. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not the children of the slave but of the free woman. Let me read the next verse. I wasn't going to do this, but you need this. Listen, it says, For freedom, 
Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You're free. Do not submit to a yoke of slavery. And I believe it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that used the picture of the Christian who has been made free in Christ, free from sin, just like Israel, called out of uh, Egypt, called out of bondage, called out of misery. You as the Christian, you have power over sin, just like Abraham, called out of Chaldea, set free. And when a Christian falls back into a life of sin, it is like a slave set free who walks back and he, he puts upon his shoulders an iron yoke, and shackles his own arms and his own legs. The Christian is free. The Christian is called to be free. This is what the church is. The church is represented by Isaac, the child of promise, according to God's plan. And let me put it another way. This is from Romans 11. Paul paints a picture in Romans 11 of a tree, an olive tree. And he says that Israel, in unbelief, many of them, the ones that did not receive... Jesus is the Messiah. They're growing on, they're a branch growing on this olive tree. And it says that they were cut off, thrown away. But you who believe were grafted on. Now, look, I, you guys got to look up fruit tree grafting if you've never seen it. It's phenomenal. Because you can have, as I, my grandparents had when I was growing up, they had one apple tree, it had four branches. And all four branches had a different kind of apple on them. Now, look, it was one rootstock. And for us, church, the rootstock is Israel. But one of them branches where Israel failed in disbelief that was cut off, I'm, I'm going to be real specific here. Hamer Creek was grafted on. A cut that matched, cut for cut, and was bound on by the love of God perfectly and eternally in true belief. This is the picture that he uses. Remember that Christ said in his declaration, he says, And upon this rock I will build my church. That rock is a Jew. Our king is a Jewish king, and his name is Jesus. Now look, the church is made up of white people, black people, brown people. It's made up of Jews and Gentiles both. And in fact, we see in the New Testament that there is no distinction. The Bible says there is neither Jew nor Greek, nor bond nor free. The church is the bride of Christ. But let me remind you, that the Bible refers to Israel as God's firstborn son. And so Israel has a special place. It is a nation formed by the will of God at the call of God through one man. In fact, Abraham of a particular lineage, the lineage of Shem, if you trace him back to Noah. God declares Israel is my firstborn son, as Exodus 4.22. Israel is still God's son. Still God's special chosen people. And God will bless those who bless Israel and He will curse those who curse Israel. Let me, let, me, let me drive that point home a little bit. I have a son and I know that many times things happen in family life and I pray to God this doesn't happen in my life but uh, many times in a family there can be a wayward child. And I want you to know, church people, that if Johanan, my only son, goes wayward, if he dishonors my name and he turns away from that which I desire for him to have, which is true belief and true repentance in Christ alone, I'm still not going to let you talk bad about my son. Do you realize that? You pray for my son. You love my son. You keep him at arm's distance if he's that rotten. But I'm not going to let you talk bad about my son. And I don't think God wants us talking bad about his son Israel. 
Now look, Israel is literally the name that God gave Jacob. Remember that Jacob was a deceiver and a heel catcher. He was a complete and total mess. But if God can save Jacob and make a son Israel out of him, then he can save somebody like me and make a child out of me. But we are to love God's people and pray for God's people. The great blessing is the blessing of the Messiah King, the one that the Hebrews call the Mashiach Nagid, which is Jesus Christ, who came to save his people from their sins. And by the way, most people rejected him. But those that did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave to them the power to be the sons of God. And so the church is grafted in, being built on the old covenant, in the new covenant. And I'm going to tell you one more thing that it says in Romans chapter 11. It says that we, the church, should not boast against the tree. That the rootstock, which is Israel, supports us, not the other way around. We are built on Israel. And what we have as a Christian heritage, even though most Jews, you got about 10% Orthodox Jews that believe in the law and sacrificial system, the Old Testament way, and you've got about 90% that are like Americans, liberal, leftist, atheist, secularist. That's, that's Israel. And then you've got a remnant, a sprinkling of true believers that know that Jesus is the Messiah. But even still, we are not to boast against the rootstock that supports us being grafted in. We should still bless Israel, for by Israel we have been blessed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that even today when it seems that the whole world has already turned against your son Israel, that Lord, we have the revelation that you have given us that we know that Israel is a special people to you, a special chosen people. And Lord, that they are the rootstock of all that we are as a New Testament church. Lord, help us to remember Israel, that Lord, their culture may be different. They may be so far away. Lord, as we go throughout our day or as we hear them mentioned on the news, help us to pray for them. We pray, Lord, that you would lift them up, that you would hold them, that you would protect them, that you would give them soldiers, leaders, inventors, and God, that you would lead them through men as you always have, but they would be held up by your right arm, which is Christ Jesus. We pray, Lord, for the day when their eyes will be opened and they will proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. That great day that the Bible testifies when all Israel will be saved. Lord, help us to remember that you have great plans for Israel. That although you have grafted the church on to that rootstock, that you still have future plans for Israel and that we are called to see them as our brothers. Lord, for New Testament church all around the world, I pray that you would help us to remember that you have spoken, that your word is clear, your revelation is true, and that we have been called to support Israel. We ask it in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. I'm going to ask you all to stand if you would. And uh, this will be a time of invitation. The altar is open. You may pray where you're at, but I want to remind you to pray for Israel. Now look, if there's a person here that has not received Christ as your Savior, then Israel probably means nothing to you. You do not realize the one great blessing that has flowed from Israel, and that is salvation, which is in Christ alone. But if you're here today, and God has been dealing with you, and the Lord has been stirring your spirit, if you've got a lump in your throat that you can't swallow, 
Or if like Abraham, things have happened in your life that you feel that God is calling you to get you up out of your country, He may be calling you to Himself. And during this time of him, this hymn of invitation, if you feel under that pressure, if you feel that conviction, I wish you would just come up here and tell me. Maybe you don't know what to say. Just say, will you pray with me, preacher?